and welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Emily Moshak, and I am joined in studio by my co-host. I'm J.D. Layton. And our two reporters. Allison Tackett. And Maximo Hunter. And we have a very special show planned for you today, including sports and a special music interview about a new genre, you could call it, called raptivism. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, we also have a very special guest with us today, Tina, the choir manager of the African Children's Choir, who are going to be here in Fort Collins this weekend. How are you today, Tina? Doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. No problem. Thank you for being here. So first, to start off, for those who aren't familiar, what is the story of the African Children's Choir, and how did it come to be? Yeah, it's such a beautiful story, really. Our founder is a man named Ray Barnett, and back in the 70s, he was doing work through another organization that he'd founded called Friends in the West, which was working with uh, persecuted Christians around the world. And that work initially took him to Uganda when Idi Amin was in power and was killing Christians. And on one of these trips to Uganda, he was asked to give a ride to a little boy. The little boy had lost both of his parents in the Civil War. And yet, in this journey from one village to another in the Jeep, the little boy sang praise songs the whole time. And Ray was just captivated, like, here's this little boy who's lost both of his parents, and yet the joy, the resiliency, the hope of this little boy just moved him greatly. And that's really what sparked the idea of what if we what if we brought some of these children to the West? They would surely want to help when they saw the, the beauty, the dignity, the potential of the African child. And that one little boy singing is what inspired, we call him Daddy Ray, um, to bring out the first choir in 1984. And so here we are 35 years later, and uh, we have now helped to educate and care for over 52,000 children, and we've helped 100,000 other people through our relief and development programs. So um, we're on, we've been on quite a journey, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure to work on behalf of some of Africa's most vulnerable children. How does the choir help these uh, young singers? Yeah, so, you know, right now, the you know, there's not an active war going on, but there are so many children that do not have access to education. And in East Africa, where we work primarily, education is really kind of the, the, the means by which you can break the cycle of poverty. And so many children do not have that access because even a government school, you have to have a uniform, you have to pay for your own pencils and your paper. And uh, the families that we're dealing with don't even have the resources to do that. So even a government-sponsored school is not a possibility for the children that we're working with. And again, without education, very, very difficult to break that cycle. So what we provide is education. We um, actually educate about 1,000 children a year in 35 different uh, educational programs. Um, to do that by the, the the choir tour raises you know we raise the money through that and then that goes back supporting not only the children on the stage but the thousand other children back in Africa so by providing education certainly for our choir children they're getting uh, really a vision casting trip um, you know their 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 radius of experience might only be three to five miles when they're at home and when they come out to the west and just are exposed to, they meet doctors, they meet dentists, they meet, they go to a fire station, they meet a pilot, they, you know, they're just exposed to a larger world, right? And uh, so vision casting is huge. The proficiency in English 
all of the testing in East Africa is in English. So if you don't know English, you're not going to do very well in the educational system. So that's a very uh, integral part of their education is just learning English on tour. And I think confidence, being able to uh, speak in front of people, the ability to interact with lots of different people, different ages. Um, they just gain in confidence and, again, just a vision that they can actually picture themselves uh, going beyond what maybe they have seen before coming on tour. Mm-hmm. Well, that is fantastic. And you mentioned that it also helps children outside of the choir. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and Music for Life? Yeah, the children outside of the choir are just like the children in the choir. They're, you know, the, the children in the choir are really ambassadors for the children that we're helping there. Most of them are probably from maybe a single-parent home, or maybe the parents are working in the city and they're being raised by a grandmother. Maybe the parents are just absent and they're being raised by a neighbor. It, it's just a mixed bag of, of situations. But those are the children in our schools. They're children that, you know, maybe there's a one meal a day that, you know, the mom is out working some menial task all day long to get enough money to put a meal on the table, maybe at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. So it's, they're very, they're from very, very humble backgrounds, very, very meager, um, you know, extremely impoverished. And uh, so these children really don't have a lot of opportunity to have their potential actualized. They just don't have um, the resources to give themselves that opportunity. <laughs> so, yeah, they're um, the children on the stage are very representative. They're just just like the children back home. What are other countries do the choir's efforts help? And do you, are you do you hope to expand the program to more of Africa if that's possible? Actually, you know, we've worked in seven different countries of Africa over the years. We have finished three of those programs, so we're focusing in on four and trying to take those children deeper with more mentorship, more discipleship, entrepreneurship, and and really, uh, I guess, digging our roots a little bit deeper with the children that we have in those other four countries. Um, I think there's always the potential of expanding depending on, you know, our founder would always want to go to where the needs are. And uh, if it's a need that we feel like we can address and can meet, um, he is, over his history, he's never shied away from that. So... I won't say that that's out of the question for sure. That's just his heartbeat. But uh, at this point in time, there's nothing, let's say, on the table for that. But that's just always been his heart. So That's awesome. And there are so many magnificent success stories from the choir that we were reading about Mm -hmm. when we were researching. Do you have any in particular that have really stuck with you over the years? Mm, Yeah, I had a, a very personal one. I toured with the choir back in 2003 and 2004. It was a mixed choir of Rondis and Ugandan children, and we had a little girl who was from Rwanda, um, had lost her dad, and was raised by a grandmother. She came in as a grade two child and uh, wasn't particularly, you know, an outstanding student uh, when she was on tour, but she was, you know, a darling little girl and a good girl, and she went back after tour, and when she was in grade five, her mom also passed away, and when she got back from tour, there was a teacher at our school that really kind of ignited in her a thirst for education and an interest and a curiosity. It was really attributed to that one, that one teacher that just turned the lights on for her. 
she went on to go back to secondary school in Rwanda. Um, halfway through their secondary education, she was the highest-ranking student in the entire country of Rwanda for girls. Won a scholarship for the remaining three years of her secondary program. Was then taken to a very uh, there was only 40 students selected from all of East Africa to this gap year program. Did that and uh, trained or was prepared to take the American University entrance exam, a university here in, in the States. Was accepted on a full ride scholarship and she's going to school out in Vermont now. Um, she's finishing up her sophomore year of college here in the U.S. Oh my so gosh. She's a little girl. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, didn't even know what didn't even know why she was going to school when before she came into the choir and uh, and then when her mom passed she just knew she told me I, I spent a good chunk of last summer with her she said you know auntie I just I just knew that when my mom passed somebody was going to have to step up to take care of the family and I knew that would have to be me so she just threw herself into her education she's worked so hard and uh, and a lot of opportunities that have now come her way and uh, she's just doing fantastic. She's doing really, really well, both in her head, her heart, and her mind. I mean, she's um, she's just a really, a really stellar young woman. That's that's amazing. Now, mm-hmm. the, the the children have performed from everywhere, from American Idol to Carnegie Hall. What uh, what made y'all decide to come to Fort Collins? <laughs> well, we actually have one of our staff members. Uh, we've been, you know, we've traveled the U.S. now for thirty five years, right? So we've been just about everywhere. But uh, we've, we've been in Fort Collins and, you know, different parts of Colorado for many, many years. But currently we have a staff member on this team who is from Fort Collins, and she really wanted to have the choir in her hometown. And so that was um, – she did some legwork and uh, found this lovely church that was willing to, to have us. And, um, and so here we are. We're – we're heading your way very shortly. <laughs> that is awesome. We are very excited to have you. For our listeners oh, who need to know what to expect, how would you describe the sound of the choir, especially specific to the Just As I Am tour? Oh, my gosh. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's a, it is a concert, but it honestly is so much more than that. It's, it's, a, it's an experience. Because I think what happens at our concert, yes, the music is very engaging. It's, it's a hymns tour. It's familiar favorite hymns put to African rhythms. So it's, it's this collision of, of Western hymns to an African beat. And um, <clears throat> so it's hymns like you've never heard them before. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and it's, you know, it's very colorful. They, they have three costume changes, and they're these beautiful traditional costumes. There's a drum ensemble. You know, who doesn't love African drumming, right, the rhythms and and then there's this really fun children's can dance. There's a traditional dance from, from Uganda, the country that they represent. And so it's very engaging. It's very entertaining. And you're, you're like, oh, my goodness, these children are only 7 to 10 years of age, and they're just knocking it out. You know, they're just working so hard up there and smiling and the joy. But in the audience, I think what's happening is there's a chord being struck that goes beyond a performance. I think people see the same thing daddy ray saw in that young man that little boy the joy the resiliency the hope and it just it kind of gets at your perspective a little bit and you're like here's this old child who really has nothing materially but is so wealthy in the soul level and i think for the western audience it just kind of pierces our soul a little bit and so people leave 
they haven't just heard music. They have had this experience with these unassuming, innocent African children who have no agenda, but just share the wealth of their soul from the stage. And I don't know how to describe it other than to say, you, just, you know, you people just come out of that and um, are just amazed, you know, that they've just seen what they've seen. So it's, uh, it's quite a performance and it's, it's quite an experience. That sounds fantastic. Well, what would our listeners need to know if they're looking to attend the concert? Yeah, we'd love to invite anybody that would love to come. Uh, it's Sunday evening, the 17th of March, just coming right up here at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Fort Collins there. It's at 7 p.m., and I certainly recommend getting there early if you'd like to get a good seat. But we invite anybody, and, you know, it's good for all ages, for all genders, for all cultures. I mean, it crosses all the barriers, so... Uh, we would really welcome everybody to, to come and join us if they'd like to. Perfect. Um, do, will they need to buy a ticket? Nope. Nope. It's just a free will offering. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Do you have anything else that you would like to get across to our listeners? Uh, we just well, Thank you again for helping us get the word out. Thank you to our churches that support us. We couldn't do it without our local church uh, providing our housing and our uh, food for us. Um, it's just, you know, everybody's in this together, and we, we feel like our churches are a big part of our family, and so kudos to, to St. Luke's for hosting us, and um, yeah, thank you for helping us get the word out. We hope um, some of your listeners will come and, and really have a, a wonderful evening with the African Children's Choir. Awesome. Thank you so much. It does sound amazing. So thank you for being here, Tina, the choir manager of the African Children's Choir, who will be here in Fort Collins on March 17th at St. Luke's Episcopal Church. So if you would like to check that out, it sounds like it's going to be an awesome experience. Thank you again, Tina. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of Have course. A great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All righty. We're going to be taking a quick break, but stay tuned because we have your local news and your sports update up next. Only here on the Rocky Mountain Review, you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. <laughs> And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Emily Moshek, joined in studio by my co-host. I'm J.D. Layton. And our two lovely reporters. Alice Dackett. And Maximus Hunter. And we have some local news here for you. This is Allison Tackett with your local news for March 12th, 2019. Fort Collins Police Services responded to a report one block north of campus of an intruder. The female reported that a few minutes before 6 a.m., she woke up to an unknown male standing by her bed. The male left the bedroom. When police arrived, the intruder was no longer in the apartment. Suspect is described as a male of an unknown race, college-aged male, wearing a green hoodie and gray sweatpants. If you have any info about the incident or believe you have seen the suspect, call Fort Collins Police, 970 221 6540. CSUPD advises all students to lock their doors and windows, especially at night when they are not home. According to the Coloradoan, a widespread winter storm is expected to wall up most of North Colorado and drop up to eight inches of snow in Fort Collins on Wednesday, potentially making travel very difficult. The North the National Weather Services issued a winter storm watch for Fort Collins, Loveland, Denver, Greeley, and Eaton for Wednesday afternoon through Wednesday evening. Warning of heavy snow and winds gusting as high as 50 miles per hour. Near blizzard conditions could occur in the watch area, mainly east of the Interstate 25. The chance of snow will continue Wednesday night and should disappear by Thursday morning. 
although the forecast remains cold and breezy. Highs should reach 40 and 50 degrees by the end of the week. According to the Greeley Tribune, the Greeley and Fort Collins Police Department announced Monday office, officers will face off later this month in a charity hockey game. Proceeds from the game are face off are dubbed face off for children will benefit life stories of Weld County and risk hmm, care of Laramie, Laramie County. I cannot talk. Okay. Greeley Police Chief Mark Jones and Fort Collins Police Chief Jeff Swoboda will square off in the shoot the puck contest during the second intermission. According to Colorado, a kennel registered to a Fort Collins address is likely a scam, preying on customers' love of animals, according to the Better Business Bureau of Wyoming and Colorado. Ace Kennels allegedly selling puppies for about $600 to out-of-state buyers, then seeking nearly $2,000 more for specialized crates to fly the dogs to their new homes. The Better Business Bureau has received six complaints about Ace Kennels since January. Vice President of Communications and Outreach, Shelley Polanski. To, uh, to avoid becoming a victim of the puppy scam, Polsky advises buyers to pay by credit card so the charge can be disputed if they don't get the puppy. As a consumer, it gives you additional protections. That is your daily newscast from 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Who would dare scam somebody out of a puppy? What a monster. Right? I would definitely fall for that scam. <laughs> oh my God. And I do almost anything for a puppy. Yeah, but like... What type of cruel human being do you have to be <laughs> to know. be like, oh, you brilliant paid, one. You paid me this money for this adorable animal. I know. You will not get this adorable animal. I know. They're terrible people. Cruel. I know. Cruel. Dreams if you're out crushed. there. I know. And we're all getting punished for it, I guess, because we have a blizzard snow bomb coming up tomorrow. And it was just breaking news from the Denver Post. The airlines are actually canceling flights out of Denver tomorrow ahead of the expecting blizzard. So if you're planning on traveling, you might want to check your flight plans because there's a good chance you're not going anywhere for at least a little while. Yeah, I've, uh, I've heard some pretty ridiculous stuff about the weather coming, but you'll have to tune into the show a little later to find out mm -hmm. more. I was shamelessly plugging for the best part of the show. I know. And if you don't know what that is, well, then I guess you better just keep listening. You have to tune in. Yeah. Have to keep listening. There's no escape. No escape. All right. We're going to take a quick one-minute break, but stay tuned because we've got sports and a very special music segment about a new genre called raptivism. Coming up here on the Rocky Mountain Review, you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. And welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Fort Collins. I'm your host, Emily Moshak, joined in studio by my co-hosts. I'm J.D. Layton. And our reporters. Allison Tackett. Maximus Hunter. And our sports director, Ray McGowan. Hello. Hi. Thanks for being here. <laughs> I mean, it's good to be here. Good to be here. Well, can you <laughs> give us a little rundown of what's going on in CSU sports? Uh, yes, as well as a little bit of the greater Colorado area. For CSU, Colorado State senior Mary Beth Saint, as well as sophomore Terrence Sig, each earned second team All-American dis distinction with their respective performances on Friday at the NCAA Indoor Track and Field Championships at the Birmingham Cross uh, Crossplex. Colorado State senior Kelsey Bedard received second team All-America recognition following her performance in the women's weight throw on Saturday at the NCAA Tournament Indoor Track and Field Championship as well as at the Birmingham Crossplex. 
Uh, the Colorado State women's basketball team fell to Utah State Aggies, 62 to 59, in their in the first round of the 2019 Air Force Reserve and Mountain West Women's Basketball Championship on Sunday at the Thomas and Mack Center. Uh, Colorado State, who went eight and 22 this season, shot 50 percent for the game. It's top shooting performance against a Division One opponent in its season best overall. Colorado State had a slow start uh, to the game against. Uh, my apologies, UNLV for the men's team, dropping the regular season finale 65-60 to on Saturday in Moby. Uh, the, lo- the loss dropped CSU to 12-19 uh, overall in a 7-11 finish in the Mountain West, while UNLV improved to 7-13 on the season and an 11-7 record in league action. Colorado State had a pair of players honored in a vote by the Mountain West coaches as redshirt junior center Nico Carvacho was named as a first-team All-Mountain West while redshirt senior guard J.D. Page garnered honorable mention recognition, as well as both being named to the Mountain West All-Defensive Team. Carvacho had a record-setting season both for the Rams and the Mountain West Conference. He has become just the second player in league history to grab 400 rebounds in a single season, a mark currently at a school record for 409 rebounds. With his 20-rebound game effort against UNLV, he became the all-time career leader in rebounding in the Mountain West at 945 and in conference games only with 578. He ranks fourth in career double-doubles in league history with 35, while he is an all-time leader in conference games with 22. The Rams opened the 2019 Air Force Reserve Mountain West Men's Basketball Championship on Wednesday at noon, uh, taking on Boise State in the opening round. And slowly moving over to the greater Colorado area, not much news, but it is quote unquote the legal tampering season for the NFL offseason where free agencies, uh, free agents in the NFL can say that they verbally commit to a team. For the Denver Broncos, they have reached a verbal agreement with defensive back Kareem Jackson. They agreed to a three year deal worth $333 million. 23 million of that being fully guaranteed as well as Juwan James the offensive tackle he signed for a four-year contract worth 51 million dollars with 32 million dollars guaranteed that of course those are not going to be official until Wednesday at 4 p.m. and that's that's it for sports you know every time I hear Nico Carvacho's name I just always automatically imagine air horns like Nico Carvacho and you're like bam, 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 the, the on air the PA at Moby Arena he does a fantastic R roll with his last name and you should I mean when he plays next season definitely go and listen to him because he's fantastic it's just just hearing every time he says it Nico Carvacho I can't do an R roll but it's okay <laughs> I pretend. Cool. It's, it's really fantastic. He's a fantastic defensive player as well as just a monster in the paint. And CSU is very glad to have him this season. And originally he was looking to transfer after CSU parted ways with their old head coach and bring, brought on Nico Medved. But Medved was able to convince him and persuade him to stay here. And he doesn't regret it at all now being the all-time Mountain West leader for rebounding. Yeah, that's a, that's a crazy accolade. How many was it? Uh, and for for which one you want conference games or just total? Just total. Uh, well, so for the for for uh, for the total rebounds, he has nine hundred and forty five. Uh, in a single season, he has four hundred rebounds, um, and he has a school record school seasons like a single season record for four hundred nine. Wow, that's that's that is just absurd. That yes. man is putting in the work. Yes, in conference games, he has five hundred and seventy eight. So, it's. <laughs> He's, yeah, it's a lot. Well, just imagine jumping up and fighting off other six foot something guys trying to get the same basketball for you 578 times, or actually 945 times. 
it's it's exhausting. Yeah. I'm already tired thinking about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, already to be, to be fair, I was tired before I got here, but now I just want to sleep. <laughs> oh well, thank you, Ray, for that sweet, sweet sports update. Everybody knows and looks forward to it here on the Rocky Mountain Review. Yeah, I know uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, it's a pleasure, as always. Of course. And now switching over to music. We spoke to someone earlier today about something called raptivism. Right. We had the opportunity to sit down with Aisha Fukushima, a rapper, an activist, and a a speaker. And she's having two presentations here at CSU, one tomorrow, pending weather, and one on Thursday. So we we had the opportunity to sort of get a, a bit of a sneak preview of what's to come with that. So keep that dial locked only here on 90.5 KCSU, Ford Collins. All right, so we are joined in studio by uh, rapper, speaker, and activist Aisha Fukushima. And uh, we're going to ask her some questions about, uh, she has an event coming up this Thursday. We'll be asking her about that. Now, you're hosting a talk this Thursday. Can you give us a, a bit of a rundown of what we can expect going into this? Yeah, of course. So I'm actually doing two events. One is uh, tomorrow or March 13th, which I'm super excited about. And I'll be doing like a mini workshop earlier in the day. And then at 530 to 630, um, we'll be doing an incredible performance lecture here at the uh, Lori Student Center. And so that'll be a combining all the elements of raptivism, which means there'll be public speaking, there'll be singing, and there'll be what uh, KRS One calls edutainment. Uh, so a lot of like getting deep and still doing it in a creative way, so that people are grooving out. They're welcome to dance and uh, you know and move about the space in that way. Uh, and then the day after, I have the joy of collaborating with some incredible artists by the name of the Flowbots, which I'm sure a lot of folks are familiar with here in Colorado and beyond. Um, we're doing a workshop called A World of Possibilities. So we're minding mind melding a lot of our kind of work together in doing activism and music and bringing people together through those media. Then you sort of pioneered this idea of, of raptivism. W- what exactly is that for our listeners who aren't necessarily super familiar with it? Yeah, thanks so much for that question. Uh, so raptivism, actually, the first time I heard slash read that term was um reading some writing by Chuck D from Public Enemy. And I was in college. Uh, I went to Whitman College in Walla Walla, Washington, believe it or not. Like Eastern <laughs> Washington uh, landed out in the wheat fields and was like, this is my home for the next four years. Uh, and I kept having this like pulsing love of hip hop that even coursed through my academic work. And so what that meant for me was that I ended up writing my thesis about Lupe Fiasco and um, doing a lot of like academic work in my rhetoric major and even like using some of my French language and literature background and my gender studies and all these other things to kind of like draw into analyzing hip hop. And I bring this up because then it led me into this rabbit hole of like learning about different legacies of hip hop activism. Because one thing that's always driven me is this idea of like, how do we drive large scale social change and help fuel movements through popular culture and hip hop? I mean, it's, it's a movement, it's a culture, it's a lifestyle. And so for me, that's like, it was just like a clear central question, which brings me back to this term of raptivism. So I read about it um, by way of Chuck D and um, he was the first person I've ever, ever seen use it. And then I've seen some different iterations. And then finally, when I met him and got a chance to interview with him, uh, I asked for his permission to be able to kind of like carry on that legacy and more 
specifically to bring that into a global um, space. Because what I kept finding through my research and through my love of the culture was that a lot of the hip hop activism that's happening is not just within the United States. Hip hop, as one of my friends said, um, it's far from dead. It's just immigrated and it continues to migrate all around the globe. As we know, it's a global phenomena. So when I've landed in Belarus, when I've landed in Kazakhstan, when I've landed in India, when I've landed in Denmark, all these places in between, I've always found community by way of hip hop. So raptivism really gets at that nucleus, that core of um, finding the connections between hip hop and activism and the different kinds of local and global movements people are building through that culture. Now, touching a little bit on that, how how would you say that the idea of a raptivist and raptivism has, has grown throughout its inception, you mentioned with Chuck D, to, to now you? Wow, that's a huge question, um, <laughs> how raptivism has grown. I mean, it's really, it's hard to say because one thing I, I like to think about a lot are stories and um Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie calls it like the danger of a single story. So sometimes there's like one narrative of hip hop. Hip hop started in the Bronx. There's like this like very specific narrative. And at the same time, like I remember performing in Kazakhstan and some folks were like, oh, can you tell us about what is this like art of freestyle that people talk about when in terms of hip hop? And I started talking about kind of how MCs um, will make up something off the top of the dome and Sometimes they'll be in a circle, which is called a cypher, and uh, be able to share these stories. And a lot of it is improvised with a beat, even a beatbox. Right. Uh, And when I explained this, a lot of the Cossack folk were like, and I was at a classical music school, and they're like, oh, we've been doing this for generations and generations this is called itis in our culture and they broke out this like two string guitar where they tap on the front and they would make a like percussive sound and then just like they just started ripping basically and then freestyling on top of it and they're like we're talking we talk about life love all these other things we get it you know (laughs) um i've been to senegal and i lived there for several months and starting the raptivism project part of um, that journey started right out of college. Actually, I had the honor of getting a grant um, from the Watson Foundation. So that allowed me to live in six different countries around the world to start deepening my knowledge of hip hop activism around the globe and then propelled me forward now almost 10 years later uh, to continue doing that work. In Senegal, I met two uh, MCs slash like musicians who um, go by the name of Dada G family. And they one of their recent albums at that time was called Boomerang. And I asked them why. And they said, oh, well, we believe that hip hop actually started here with Griot storytelling and that it's traveled all the way around the world and then come back. And now we have different iterations of it. So this is like a very ancient tradition. And so when you ask me this question, like, how has hip hop progressed around the world? All these voices, all these stories are like flowing through me. And I'm thinking, where do we even begin? Um, (laughs) All that said, though, I think this right now is a very ripe time for raptivists and for people whether they like hip hop or not maybe you're into indie rock maybe you're into punk whatever it is like this is such a keen time to speak up and i notice that there's such a pulse that people really they want to feel heard they want to feel like the struggles all the things that are happening in the world even if it's hard to sometimes watch the news for some folks or whatever you know that that there's some acknowledgement and there there's some energy to speak up about what's going on in the world. And so I think it's just such a ripe time for any sort of creative activism, visual, um, sound-based, whatever it is. Uh, I encourage folks to go out and do that because we need it. Kind of going along with, I guess, just the different cultures of hip hop, it's really great that 
um, that it's able to be used for such activist purposes. So I'm just curious as to what your thoughts would be about things like mumble rap or SoundCloud rappers, mm-hmm. like Little Pump, Migos, yeah. guys like that who it can be harder to interpret their message <laughs> positive sometimes. Yeah. Um, well, I I can only speak from my personal taste that I like to listen, actually even beyond hip hop. I love jazz. I love soul. I love listening to like really classic music. Like even folks like Ella Fitzgerald and Lauryn Hill both influenced and informed mm-hmm. uh, some of the sounds that I make today. Um, when it comes to like what I like to call the booty bling bullets bourbon we can go down a whole list of bees <laughs> you know um i like i think for me raptivism at its core it's not necessarily about telling you what to say it's just encouraging us to be creative mm-hmm. uh, and i think i think there's plenty of space in the world and in hip hop for all sorts of different voices so my thing is not necessarily censorship like i've seen historically how that's the ramifications of censorship <laughs> in like a lot of different places including uh here in the states uh so i'm not gonna like shut anyone down in that sense but I do I want to like lift up and amplify the people who are being super creative um with the music and what does that mean it means like I think about uh some of the MCs I worked with in Senegal one of them likes to use the talking drum and the drum is talking it's speaking and sending a message at the same time that he's verbally sending a message with words Mm -hmm. and you know there are all these other which is true of even any kind of drum beat or sound you know that there's a there's an emotive element to it that has a message but i love seeing people kind of go beyond sort of those boxes and stereotypes of what hip-hop has to be or you know and and to to push the boundaries a little bit because i think in some ways, we owe it to this incredible culture of hip hop that is so deep and expansive and such a creative space to to grow, to just be able to keep expressing something that's beyond just the one mm-hmm. <laughs> little right, box. Right. Um, yeah. And I think there are a lot of financial, quite frankly, I think that there are a lot of financial incentives. I'm not saying this of those particular artists you mentioned, but I think there are a lot of financial incentives for hip hop artists to sometimes only speak about the bling, only speak about, you know, consuming X, Y, Z alcohol because that earns money for the companies. That, you know, yeah. When you see that person on a rented Bentley, you're like, oh, snap, I need to buy that. That music video started off as commercials, right? So when I think as a raptivist too, I try to think about what stories am I telling? What am I selling? You know, is right. it? hopefully for me, it's something of social justice, something of um, lifting each other up. Uh, and not as focused on just those material pieces. Right. Where, where do you necessarily see the uh, the future of raptivism? Mm. As the project itself or like as a global, uh, the global movements of raptivism? Why not both? Whoa. Uh, <laughs> well, I can start with my own journey that uh, as a raptivist, I've been working on kind of putting more of my story into a written form that might take place in like a book for example about some of my journeys I've been to over uh, 20 countries now doing this work uh, of hip-hop activism and so sharing from some of the things that I've learned on that journey Um, also as a woman in this industry and a feminist and an intersectional feminist at that among other things like I think there's a lot to dig into there Uh, the uh, next thing I'm also working on is a kind of an new form of album to kind of express freedom songs that I've been working on, which if folks want to get sneak peeks or if they want to join the journey, they should um, check out my Patreon page at Aisha Fukushima uh, via Patreon. And you can follow in and become a member of that journey as well. 
And essentially, for me, that's like creating movement music for the now, because sometimes I think when we think to movement music, we maybe think of like these protest songs from some generations past, which are still powerful. But I'm like, hey, why aren't we doing that? I mean, w- there's so much for us to write about right now. Like, where where are we? <laughs> so that's that's part of like what um, I'm working on now. And there are, are incredible artists who are doing that, too. Um, maybe like Kendrick and J. Cole, like folks could I would look at Raps- Rhapsody. Some of her stuff is like incredible in that vein. But I want to add to that and like help push that movement forward um, for global raptivism. I mean, that's so tough because it's so many countries around the world. But I think one current one common thing I notice is that sometimes when hip hop is feels at least that maybe the Americanized versions of hip hop is, quote unquote, new to a place. Uh, I notice that people just like in any form when we're learning to write or uh, we're taking on a new style, we kind of tend to copy at first and then we make it our own. But first it takes that fluency of like, oh, this is how you write an A. And, you know, after you kind of try to copy the book, then you have your own style of writing or, you know. (laughs) So I think that's true of hip hop too, that uh, I'm excited to see how all these localized and globalized forms of hip hop continue to evolve in a creative way and continue to speak to one another. Because MCs I see are very interested in rapping in several languages in a lot of different countries so that we can talk across boundaries and borders, which I think is really crucial in a time like this. Can you give our listeners, not to put you on the spot, but a little taste of your own music and your own hip hop style? Sure, actually I brought a CD for you all too, so I have to give you all. Awesome, um, thank you. Sure. This is perfect. It it leads right to the next question as well, because I was going to ask if uh, if you could sort of showcase. Because you mentioned you're a bit of edutainment, you're a bit mm-hmm. of a, a speaker yeah. as well as musician in in your uh, your talks. Yeah, so I'm curious as to what that's like. Yeah, absolutely. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. You know how I feel. And sometimes we feel like slaves Working so hard and we don't get paid Like we're supposed to People say I owe you But they ain't so loyal Can't you tell I'm a queen I'm so royally pissed When you dissing this I throw a hissy fit How you feeling this? Cause I'm killing this Resurrected so you know who you're dealing with We be the people and we be resilient Hey, uh Punching another day Wake up now cause it's time to celebrate We be the people through the track elevated Don't know who we be cause you often underrated If you got excuses, please just save it If you got games, please know that I played it Making the music so society can face it I spit for freedom so you can taste it Oh, Baltimore, ain't it hard just to live? Oh, Baltimore, ain't it hard just to live, just to live? Wow. Thank you. That was, that was very so cool. good. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, your voice is gorgeous. <laughs> thank you so much. Out. Oh my gosh, that was great. 
<laughs> Thank you. I feel I feel special. We got a little sneak peek I of know, what's to come. That was awesome. That was very cool. And if our uh, our listeners wanted to check you out a little more, learn a little more about oh, rapidism, where could they go to find that? Yeah, thanks for asking. So I have a website, AishaFukushima.com, and of course, all the social medias, Aisha Fukushima, Insta, Facebook, all the things, Twitter. Uh, and then all my music is also on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, CD Baby, all the things. Uh, and then I also <laughs> have an online store. So if you want to rep some raptivism gear and rep some like ethically made T-shirts, some of which will be given out for free, I think at one of these um, the events that are coming up on the 13th tomorrow, uh, then come through and get your free T-shirt. And if you miss that, no, uh, it's still <laughs> available online. So I hope you all join me there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, do you have anything else that you would like to add? Uh, just that I look forward to seeing people um, both tomorrow, March 13th, at the Lowry Student Center from 5.30 to 6.30, uh, where I'll be doing a performance lecture, and then on the 14th for a World of Possibilities workshop, along with the Flowbots. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun, and I look forward to joining everyone and ciphering. Awesome. Get ready to move. Yes, awesome. awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And again, listeners, if you would like more of what you heard just now, you can definitely check those events out. So thank you so much, Aisha. Merci, Ari. Oh my goodness. Spasiba. <laughs> Putting us to shame. <laughs> and welcome back to the Rocky Mountain Review, your news talk show here on KCSU Park Collins. I'm your host, Emily Mashak, joined in studio by my co-host. I'm J.D. Layton. And our reporters. Allison Dackett. And Maximus Hunter. And Maximus, I believe you have some national news for us. Yes, I do. Hello, my name is Maximus Hunter, and this is your national news on the Rocky Mountain Review. You're listening to 90.5 KCSU. The president proposed a budget for the new fiscal year yesterday, weighing in at $4.7 trillion. The details of the proposed budget would involve some major changes, the Associated Press reports, a rough 7.5% increase would be given to both Homeland Security and Veterans Affairs, as well as a 5% increase in defense spending, 1.5% increase to the Treasury, and 0.4% to Commerce. The budget also includes $8.6 billion for a border wall, as well as $2 billion for sheltering migrant children. The proposed budget would call for cuts over 10% in the Departments of Energy, Interior, Health, Education, Agriculture, Housing, and more than 20% cuts in transportation and state programs. NASA is the only major agency that the budget increases funding for, cutting budgets up to 10% for Social Security, Small Business, and the National Science Foundation. The budget for the Corps of Engineers and the Environmental Protection Agency would also be slashed more than 30%. In order for this budget to pass, it would need to be approved by the Democratic majority in Congress, which is unlikely. Retiring musicians are facing a serious crisis regarding their pensions, the Nashville Tennessean's Nate Rahn reports. Multi-pension funds from many artists and industries have been cut, and this directly affects retired musicians who are contractually guaranteed pensions. More than 121 funds have already cut retirement benefits or plan to. Famous musicians such as Cass Stevens, Steve Gibson, and Jarm Barlow J Jarvis sorry, have all petitioned Tennessee State Senator Lamar Alexander for help. Part of the reason the pensions are being cut can be attributed to the 2008 recession, the burst of the dot-com bubble, and the fact that most new musicians do not often have contractually obligated pensions. 
With more retirees than new members, the pension funds that some musicians have had their whole careers are at risk of being totally destroyed or at least slashed across the country. The American Federation of Musicians and Employers only has enough in the pension fund to cover less than 65% of pensions, putting more than 1.3 million people at risk. Tesla is changing their business strategy to close the gap with their competitors. Tesla has now closed 10% of their stores, with another 20% under evaluation for a big shift in gears. With the Model 3 soon being available for $35,000, the company has had to change lanes in the strategy and pass up having more stores in order to have more models available in each. To drive the focus on the Model 3 home, the prices of the other models will still be raising 3%. Tesla was recently investigated for fraud by the United States Securities and Exchanges Commission, who pumped the brakes on the company going public after a tweet made by Elon Musk. AP's Tom Krishna reports that Tesla plans to accelerate even further into the future, and the finish line for them lies in a fully online purchasing system. The FDA has lifted their ban on consuming genetically modified salmon. In 2016, Congress decided that genetically modified salmon would not be imported to the U.S. until it could be regulated. Last December... Congress enacted the National Bioengineered Food Disclosure Standard, requiring that bioengineered foods be properly labeled. The standard describes any food that has been, quote, modified through lab techniques and cannot be created through conventional breeding or found in nature, unquote, as bioengineered. Now that the NBFDS has been signed, the FDA has decided that the ban on modified salmon is unnecessary for a new age of safe biotechnology. Companies like AquaAdvantage will be able to import salmon eggs to the United States, which are genetically spliced with an ocean fish that allows salmon to breed all year round, not just seasonally, Alex uh, Landary of the U- of U.S. News reports. The National Bioengineered Food Disclosure Standard goes into effect in 2020, so you can expect to see change to that. And that has been your national news on the Rocky Mountain Review. My name is Maximus Hunter, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. Well, thank you, Max. I, uh, I'm looking forward to getting me some genetically modified salmon. I certainly can't wait for the day when my salmon has twice as many heads as the ones that they used to. How could you say that fish used to be better than this new genetically Twice as much food, J.D. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking forward to it. I never taste the same. Imagine this. It'll probably Salmon cheaper. chicken wings. You know, salmon like wings. Separate salmon wings, yeah. What? Fried salmon wings. That actually sounds really good. I don't There's like fish. Wait, that's so... like fried fish, but it just like in a nugget form? No, I love it's, it. It's like, it's like the... fish sticks. Yeah, You're like... asking for fish sticks. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> they don't, they don't put salmon in fish sticks. <laughs> no, no, no. But if you put salmon in fish sticks, are they still fish sticks? Yeah, because it's a fish in a stick. Yeah, that was a bad question. Yeah. I've never <laughs> seen it before. Hear me out. These salmon now have wings. <laughs> Boom. Now you get wings with your salmon. What? They don't have... Why? No. Because they're, they're genetically engineered. That doesn't mean they get wings. Well, they, that means they can now. They just have to tell you that they have wings. We'd have to give them Red Bull first. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, dear listener, if you have any crazy opinions about what our new genetically modified salmon is going to look like, give us a text at 970-491-5278, 970-491-KCSU. But in the meantime, we have a very, very special segment that you've all been waiting for, and we have a very, very new... Special, special theme song. It's true. Should we go with the theme song or do you want to? Can we still do a drum roll? We can do the drum roll after the theme song. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) 
time for weather. <laughs> there we Woo! go. <laughs> so many weathers in that little jingle. Oh, yeah, you got you got the full seasonal effect. I can feel it. You know, it's like a spring day. You're like, boom, rain, thunder. Then an hour later, you're like, oh, look, the birds are out. It's a sunny day. I know. Well, they, uh, thanks to our reporter, Katie Otter, she for, whipped, for she creating that. that together just for us. And I feel Masterpiece. So, <laughs> so, fe- so special. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's truly worthwhile. But everybody's waiting for this. Tomorrow, <laughs> it's it's going to get snowy. Ugh. It's going to get rough. Uh. And it's... Uh, <laughs> so I believe this is how it's going to go. It's going to start raining at 9 o'clock tonight. And it's going to rain all throughout the night. And then that rain's going to freeze. And then snow's going to go on top of the rain that's frozen. And it's going <laughs> to snow all throughout tomorrow. And it's not like light snow. We're talking big pillowy mounds like mashed potatoes. Ugh. Make it sound so nice. Oh, that sounds terrible, Max. No, I'm just, <laughs> just so, like, used to the warmness. I know. Yeah. After going from today. And it's going to be slippery. Yeah, it's going to be. So uh, drive safe out there. Cause and Lord, walk safe. Lord only knows <laughs> yeah. what's coming. Uh, I certainly don't. And neither does CSU. Though they told us they won't cancel school regardless. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope. Fingers crossed. I hope they do. (laughs) If you are out there, Tony Frank, listening, on behalf of student media, please cancel school. Use your executive power. Yes, please. Please. (laughs) But, uh, you know, Thursday is going to be a little nicer. Windy, but not snowy. You know, with a high of 34 and a low of 9 degrees. Oh, gosh. I mean, that's not great. It's still low and cold. It's better than pillowy mounds of snow. Yeah, I guess you're right. And then I guess we can only hope for good weather the St. Patrick's Day weekend, but we're not going to tell you what that weather's going to be. Yeah, you'll have to tune in Thursday. Thursday, when we'll be back. For the Rocky Mountain Review. Oh, yes. So it's the end of the show today, but we would like to thank all of our lovely, lovely contributors, including Tina, the choir manager from the African Children's Choir, as well as Aisha Fukushima. Aisha Fukushima. Aisha Fukushima for her beautiful time and demonstrating her raptivism skills, as well as our sports director, Ray McGowan, for his update, as well as Katie Otter for her theme song debut, and our beautiful reporters, you guys. Killing it. Whoop, whoop. And yeah, I want to thank too. you, Emily. <laughs> and I want to thank you, JD. Wow, look at us. Just a, a thanking circle. I know. So much gratitude over over here. And we want to thank... You can't say that and then laugh. Nobody <laughs> believes that you're thankful no, then. No, I, I am. I am thankful. It was like a genuine, <laughs> genuine happy laugh. My goodness. Anyway, thank you, listener, for sticking with us. We'll be back next not next on thursday from four to five so don't go too far but in the meantime we've got red riding hood redhead riding hood by the tracy's up next on 90.5 kcsu for collins